If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Nation? We are back again with another episode. And if you're somebody right now that you're looking to figure out how can I build more meaningful and effective relationships, I can promise you this is going to be the episode for you. So without further ado, please help me welcome my brother, Mr. Mo Bunnell to the show. Mo, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? Yes. Hey, Dream Nation. I'm excited to be here. I love Casanova's content and I can't wait to be a little part of that today. Man, I love it as well that you're here. And I love the fact that we're going to be able to ignite a lot of people in this episode. So I always love to start off by giving the proper introduction. And the way that I do that is I compare us as entrepreneurs, thought leaders, change makers, just like superheroes. And the reason being is because we're constantly putting on a cape, we're flying around the world, and we're trying to solve the biggest problems. So for you, before you became this world-renowned business, business development expert, before you became a speaker, had your own show, all these different things where you've just impacted the world in such an amazing way. If we could take it back to when you were just a young boy, tell me who is Mo Bunnell? Man, Casanova, thanks. You know, I think my story starts a, a little later when I was a young boy. I was a skinny little kid trying to play basketball is what I was, <laughs> trying to beat my dad, who's really was really good and really is now. But my moment to my, my entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey sort of starts at a moment of pain, man, where I was thrust. I was in a consulting firm and I was basically, I finished all the exams to be an actuary. You know what that is? It's like I a- don't. It's an applied statistician. It takes like eight years to pass all these tests to, to get them all done. And I passed those. I'm at a big worldwide consulting firm. And we sort of got promoted. They promoted me almost like two levels from like, like a not quite partner to senior partner. And in one day, Casanova, I went from being uh, focused on client service and billable time and doing great work to selling stuff. And I didn't know how to do it. And I went to my boss and said, Michael, you know, hey, where's the book? Where's the system on business development? How do we do it? How do you do it so well? And he slapped me on the back and he said, Mo, there's, there's no manual. There's no book. You know, just treat the client right. And I was scared to death because now my entire bonus was not based on doing good work like it was before. My entire bonus was based on bringing in business. 
Right. And I didn't have a manual to do it. So I started cobbling it together, creating it, and over a period of years, developed a system that actually brought in business, was extremely efficient, and I was able to treat my clients right. So the whole system worked in a way they loved. And then I sort of moved to not only falling in love with business development, but falling in love with teaching other people business development. And that's, of course, what we do now and have been for almost 15 years. Got it. I love, And when you talk about treating clients, I think that's something that gets lost a lot of the times because we're always focused on the transaction, right? And especially for me being in the world of real estate, but I think anybody in sales can resonate with that. And you have to be in sales if you're in business, right? You have to be married to essentially two people, your sales department and your marketing department, right? And, and really, but that's the other thing, I guess. And that brings up a good point. You really have to be married to three because it's your sales department, it's your marketing department, but it is your customer service department. And that's just goes to the point of what you said of treating people right. So was there ever one moment that really stuck out to you? Because now that's what you teach people. But in the beginning, was there a moment that you felt this person wasn't treated right, or the business was at a standstill because the customer service was not the priority? Or how did you make this your main focus? You know, it wasn't um, for that part. Well, while starting to learn business development was born out of a moment of pain, starting Bundle Idea Group was born out of a moment of awesomeness. I had flown to Denver and I was out with one of my clients, a big worldwide company. We're doing tons of consulting with them. And she had just got promoted to the C-suite. So she had gone from, I forget what the title was before, but she moved up to chief human resource officer for a Fortune 50 company. Flew out there just to celebrate because we had been working together immensely for like 18 months. So, you know, tons of teams, millions of dollars of projects, things like that. And this was after I had a system. So it was like totally focused on her success among you know, a couple dozen other clients. But, but this was a big deal. This was a big deal for her and I wanted to celebrate. And we were at dinner, Casanova, and we toasted to her promotion. And she looked at me and she said, you know, I got to tell you, this is because of our work together. And this means so much to me, but to my entire family, because, and then she went on to talk about a bunch of personal things with some children that that have some special needs and what she's able to do because of this promotion. And I, we had a great dinner and I like skipped back to my hotel that night. I was like dancing on a cloud because, because I was able to, through, you could call it sales or business development, but I was able to improve this person's life. Now she purchased a lot from us too, but we were able to galvanize these teams and accomplish things they couldn't do before. And we changed a person's life. And that's when I realized, you know, I don't just love business development. I want to teach other people how to have an experience like this. Right. And that's, that's when it was a year or two after that, we started Bundle. I, I left that firm and as a senior partner and started Bundle Idea Group. And then we just haven't looked back. We've trained over 15,000 people techniques that do those kinds of things now. Got it. Wow. And, and that's definitely very powerful. The one thing that 
comes to my mind when we talk about business development is the systems part of it. And that's something that we talked about right before we went on that we said that we were going to tap into because especially for somebody right now that's starting out in the entrepreneur world, or maybe they've been in it for a couple of years, but we all think that we want to be the, the buzzword of an entrepreneur. But many of us start out as solopreneurs, yes. right? We have to do everything ourselves. We're the marketer, we're the sales, we're the janitor, we're everything. But we it's because we don't put systems in place that we never graduate to be really becoming an entrepreneur. And so talk to me about how can someone start to put the right systems in place? Like what is the first step in, in really being able to get out of your own way to grow a business? Yeah, that's a great question. In a, in a common, probably the most common misstep I see for entrepreneurs, whether they're trying to get started or already have started, is that they're not focusing on the system of business development. So we see three big things to be successful. One is managing your opportunities. One is managing your relationships and having a system around that. I love your, I love your focus on relationships, by the way. And the third piece is managing yourself. And being able to not only focus on the craft of whatever you want to do, maybe it's a your lawyer that wants to go off on their own, maybe a real estate agent, maybe a financial advisor or whatever, whatever your craft is, most people overemphasize the craft. That's important. It's really important. But the people who actually grow are the ones who also focus on the craft of business development. And they, and they focus on managing opportunities, managing relationships, managing yourself. We can do a double click on those if you want. But, it, but the short answer is most people don't find or, or struggle with success being an entrepreneur because they only focus on their core craft, not also on the craft of growth. Yeah, and I would like to do a double click on it because for somebody listening right now, maybe this is a foreign world to them, right? Of yeah. business development. So they say, okay, manage my opportunities. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, right on. Well, let's let's break it down into four steps. And, and we've got a free course on this at, at bdhabits.com, business B for business, D for development, bdhabits.com that goes into a lot more detail and six emails and videos and worksheets and all that. But manage your opportunities is really about four things. It's about listening and learning, figuring out what's the priority of the person you could work with, creating curiosity is step two, turning the lens back on yourself so that the now that we know the context, the person of their priorities, we can now create some curiosity in how we might be able to improve their life in some ways. The third step is building everything together and actually getting some incremental yeses around what, what it looks like to work together. And the last piece is gain approval. And we find if you do the first three before that, that that's the easiest part. So just a little more in each one. Listening and learning, step one. There, it's about asking great questions. The research shows that when we ask questions and thoughtful, meaty questions to somebody we might work with, as they talk, we accomplish three things. We learn their intimate needs, what they're really worried about. We now can position ourselves uniquely because we know what those kinds of things are. And the third thing is, this is super cool. The research shows as people answer meaty questions to a person, they like them more. And I think that's cool in your world of relationships that actually right. the less we talk and the more the other side talks, the more they like us. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and then and then once we know that, now we can start to create some curiosity about how we might be able to uniquely solve those things that came up 
The third step is building everything together where we might think about the goals, the, the process of working together, what the teams look like. Maybe it's two people, maybe it's bigger, what the financial terms might be, how much it's going to cost, things like that. Once we get incremental yeses on building that, getting gaining approval about four step, that's easy, right? Because right. they, they've actually wanted to take each step with us. The, I'll put a bow on it with this, Casanova, is that most people flip it. They, the mistake they make, the way they think about it wrong is they think about selling, meaning I've got this thing, I've got to talk to a whole bunch of people and tell them all about me. So I, a, we're not starting with listening, we're talking about starting with talking. And then we'll blast out and try to get to the demo, I'm doing air quotes around that, or get to the PowerPoint or talk about our solution. And they, they put them at the center. And what we find is if we start with asking questions and listening, put the other person at the center, then everything rolls downhill. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? You're an expert in this too. Yeah. So a lot of people always ask me, you know, how did I get the sales that I had, right? When I first got into real estate, 46 deals, $8 million in volume after I'd just come from a period of losing my mom, my job and my home oh. all within a matter of two and a half weeks. And the reason why I say that I was successful was because the one thing that I learned early on, it was definitely the value of building relationships, but it was something that I, I took from the Dale Carnegie book, which is how to win friends and influence people, which is one of the first books that I was exposed to when I really wanted to level up my mindset. But that saying was, be more interested than interesting. I right? like that. And, and, I, and I love that. And that was combined with the fact that I was doing research and I was trying to figure out at these networking events, because I was in sales, of how do I get more people to really want to interact with me? Because it wasn't enough. Yes, my name was a name breaker or icebreaker, but it was like, okay, well, after we get past the, pa the fact of like, oh, you got a really cool name, how do you get the conversation flowing, right? How do you get them talking? And so one of the things that I did was I was like, hey, well, tell me, what are you passionate about? And this was something that I think I I'd read in a blog or somewhere online, but it was like, tell me, you know, what are you passionate about? And it was the different question rather than tell me what you do for a living, but yes. tell me where do you work? And so all of those things, just like you said, got people to talking. And when people would feel like that they talk more, now they feel like you truly care. And then it's a dialogue. And from there, it's like what the end of it, because when we, any of us go to any type of a meeting, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one business meeting or even a networking meeting, we go there because we want to find, I don't want to say a companion, but we want to find somebody that we can really... Uh, network with, right? So right. at the end, when you get out of that business meeting and, and they say, how did it go? You know what? I really like Mo, right? It feels like we resonated with each other. We connected on so many levels, but that doesn't happen unless somebody has to take the backseat. And if you can find it in yourself to take that backseat in the beginning, that's where I feel like the connections really become meaningful and effective. There is no doubt, no doubt in my mind that's true. And that might be a good segue to managing your relationship. Should we talk about that next? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is so fun because most people don't get it the way you get it. I mean, this, I feel like I'm talking to a long lost brother or something <laughs> because talk your story around, be more interested than interesting, all those things. Well, when we move to talk about managing your relationships, what we find here is there's three big pieces of research that are super important. One is that the best relationships or the closest connections are focused on commonality. 
And I think mm. that that gets into your what are you passionate about question. Right. So the 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 people we feel closest to are the ones that we have the most common in with. And the more uncommon the commonality, the research shows, the more tight the bond. So the more mm. unique, like the fact that you just interested in, uh, interviewed Jeff Goins on your show, and I listen to that, and I'm close friends with Jeff, and I'm listening to it, and I'm hearing you two talk, and I'm like, oh my god, there's Jeff and Casto. Like I already felt, a, I already felt a connection to you, and right. I hadn't even met you yet. Right. So that was super cool. Commonality. The second thing is mutual benefit, and you hinted at this too. You get this so intuitively, where the best relationships aren't just one where one side serves the other; it's that both sides help each other. So there's mm -hmm. mutual benefit to the relationship. And the last piece of research I think is so interesting is called frequency, or you can look it up on Wikipedia. It's called the mere exposure effect, M spelled M-E-R-E. -E. So not like mere we look into, but the mere exposure to something seems to cause us to like it more. Right. So that means we've got to stay top of mind and continue to invest in our most important relationships. So when we, when we find commonality and reinforce it, when we find ways to help, but also ask for help, and when we do it often, now we've got winners when it comes to relationships. In the simple little practical tip we found, just to put a bow on this part, that's so powerful is writing down a list of your most important relationships, even like something as small as eight or 10 people, sticking that on your wall and every day thinking, how can I help Jane? How can I help Phil? How can I help Kareem? Whoever. And continually investing in those relationships and doing it with the frequency, the mere exposure effect, right. you'll find that our listeners will find that their relationships blossom when they focus on the most important folks, maybe not the folks they know the, the best now, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And I would definitely agree with that. Hey, what's up, Dream Builder? Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's going to be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. One question that came up to my mind because you just said it, and I'm interested to hear your opinion on this, but asking for help. This is where so many people, they struggle, right? Yes. Especially if you have your own baby, your own business, and you're like, listen, I got this all on my own. And maybe you don't devalue relationships, but you don't know how to be vulnerable to ask for help. Is there any way that you found that is maybe a hack or something of a way that people can get outside of their own emotion and head and feeling like asking for help is a sign of weakness? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you two answers. I'm going to cheat a little bit. <laughs> One is the research shows that, that we drastically overestimate the barrier to someone else wanting to help us. Mm. Or we, we put, we, this is a self-limiting belief. Like we actually think we shouldn't ask for help. Like it's a sign of weakness or something else. But the feeling of, if we just think about when we help somebody, how awesome it feels to help them. I mean, I hope this helps you in some way. Like oh, I'm, absolutely. I don't care if any business ever comes to us. Like I just like, I already like you just mm -hmm. because we can, I know people can't see that we can see each other, but just the way you nod and the way you, you hold yourself. I mean, it's awesome. Like I, I'm going to hang up on this call at the end and I'm going to feel great. I hope I helped you in your podcast in some way that feels great. So when we don't ask for help, we actually 
in a way can harm the person because we didn't give them that great feeling of helping mm. us. Right. The second part of the answer that this is my cheat because I'm giving you two is one way someone can get around it if they do feel uncomfortable asking for help. Maybe they perceive the person at a higher level than, than them or something like that. That can happen. Then what you can do is ask for advice. Hmm. Asking for advice sort of feels like you're putting them up on a pedestal. Hey, I've got a business plan. Can I ask your advice? Hey, I'm thinking about going to market in this way. Hey, I'm thinking about leaving my job and starting a company. Can I ask for your advice? You've done that. You've been successful, whatever the narrative is, whatever the context is. Then you're actually going to get some help probably, but it'll be their idea. So right. if so, number one is, for gosh sakes, folks, ask for help more often than you think you need to because you'll actually be helping the other person by giving them an awesome feeling by helping you. But thing two, if you are hesitant for whatever reason, ask for advice instead, and the person will likely offer help, and you didn't have to ask for it. Yes, I, I would a thousand percent agree. And when you were telling that story, what came to my mind right at the end was like, think about when we have young children, right? I have a daughter who turns three in November, but the constantly, like we want her to ask for help because she's yes. at that point right now, she can do everything. I, got, yes. I, I can do it. I can do it. And then you just sit there waiting because you know that she can't do this, right? And just physically, they can't do whatever it is. So you sit there waiting. And then she looks over and she says, Dad, can you help me? And you're like, I would love to, right? And, and But that's the feeling that you get when you're helping. And so I think that most of the time we don't think that way. We only think of it as a sign of weakness, but that's yes. because we're only thinking about ourselves, right? It's in yes. a way we're being selfish because other people, if you felt like at the end of the day, when you come onto the podcast and you've already dropped tremendous value, but if you feel like you dropped tremendous value and now you walk out of here thinking that, listen, I do have a place in this world. I did just help that one person. I can keep a smile on my face because of the good that I've done today. So then what happens right when you get out of your office, when you walk out of your house, you instantly still have that contagious energy, right? Because you know what you just did to help someone. Yes. And so I think that if we did more things like that where we allowed other people to help so then they can have that contagious energy at the end of the day we have in a sense that mere exposure right yes. we have that opportunity to now go out and feel like we're being the best version of ourselves and i think that that is what balances out with everyone else and so i think that there's a lot of merit in what you just said and i hope that someone else they they see that and they say at least let me attempt that let yeah. me attempt, especially because the second one, you call it a cheat, I call it a hack. And I just did this. There's a guy, he, he's actually here in Omaha. It's the number two largest private aviation company in the country, right? And he's a good friend of mine because of the fact that our boys play basketball together. Long story short, I just reached out to him over the weekend and I said, hey, I would love to get your advice on a new business venture that I'm doing. And he responded and we wound up setting up a call the next day, which was on on Friday, but it was just great. It was that exact thing of what you said. I came in and I said, hey, I would love to get your advice. And he said, you know what? I would love to hear what you got going on and just offer my opinion. People love to give their opinions and they love to give any help. So you have to utilize that to the best of your advantage. Yeah, I and love so it.
Well, yeah. and I and I can tell just from this interaction with you that you had built up some goodwill before you did that. So I can imagine you both sitting in the stands over the course of lots of basketball games. You're more mm-hmm. interested than anything else. You're mm-hmm. asking him or her questions about their business, what they do, all that. So the person, so you've dialed up likability, mm-hmm. right? So you've got all this this credit in the emotional bank account, so to speak. And then when you did ask for advice, the person's like, heck yeah, I like Casanova. I'd be glad to help. Heck, maybe I should invest. You know, like they're like, I believe in this guy because you have built up that goodwill. So these ideas we're talking about start to compound on themselves. So when you're managing your opportunities and you're managing your relationships in the ways we're talking about it, at first, it can be hard to get rolling to build your own business because you have no momentum, but it gets easier and easier and easier over time because you're starting to bring in revenue. You have more assets there. You're starting to build your relationships. You're focused on the most important, not the easy people. And then boom, you can make that one outreach and you're getting incredible advice from an extremely experienced business person. Who knows, you know, what'll happen, but you know, it's something good. Absolutely. And that segues us into the last one, which is if I'm correct, managing yourself. Yes. Right. And this is big. And the reason why I say this is big, and I'm excited to hear the way that you break this down is because now once you start to get a little bit of of energy and momentum, as you said, now there's a lot of thoughts in our own head, whether you're talking about ego, whether you're talking about more self doubt or the fear of the limitations. And so how does one start to manage themselves? Yes. And there's much, 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 much more in that free little mini course at bdhabits.com. But here is the quick answer, including worksheets and posters and all that stuff. So if someone has gone, it just written down their opportunities, just a list. It doesn't even have to be in a fancy, complicated CRM system or anything. You could have a three by five card with a list of your opportunities. These are the things that someone could purchase something for me. We could have a commercial transaction. That's one list. We talked about the four steps there. If they have a second list of their most important relationships, that's a little bit more like playing the long game. There may not be anything that person could purchase from you, maybe even ever, but they're an incredible networker. They're incredible success, incredibly successful for whatever reason. You write down your top eight or 10 relationships and you have a list of that. Once you've got the list of opportunities and you've got the list of relationships, the way you manage yourself is you carve out 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes a week. No more than that. I do Friday afternoons at four o'clock every week. I have, I've done this for 250 or so weeks in a row. Haven't missed a beat. I'm still mad at that one week I missed because it made me restart again. <laughs> but but you take that time, take that time, carve it out. This is your business development strategy time for the next week. And you take a look at your opportunity list. You take a look at your relationship list. And all you do is pick what are the three most important things you're going to hold yourself accountable to the next week. We call those MITs, most important things. What are the three most important things you're going to hold yourself accountable for the next week? You write that in your to-do list on a three-by-five card, stick it on your wall, post-it note, or whatever. And come heck or high water, you're going to make sure you do those three things. It might be 
you send a TED Talk video to somebody you've just met, but you know in five years you want them to be a best friend. And you're just shooting it up. You don't expect anything in return. It might be checking in on a proposal you sent out two weeks ago, and you're just wondering if, if, the, per, if the folks are ready to move. It might be asking for advice. That might have been one of your MITs had you had this process you know, a week or two right. ago. Ask that, ask that very senior successful person for their advice and having the guts to do what you did. So what we find is that you might have 50, but if you do the three most important things first, week in and week out, and really take some time and think about what those are, the long, playing the long game, what happens is over the course of a year, that's 150 or so really powerful things you've done. Mm. Many times they're scary. Many times it's the hardest things. It might not take the longest, but it might be the scariest. And if you tackle those three things every single week, week in and week out, that compounds itself to where you just get unstoppable momentum in your opportunities and your relationships. And it's just that simple weekly process, week in and week out, always taking the high road, always taking, having a strategic mindset, always holding yourself accountable for three big things and do that every single week and you cannot help but succeed. I love it. And and what's what that brought me to was thinking about the quote or the saying that says, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Ooh, I like that. Right. And it's just that momentum. It's taking that one step at a time every single day. And and you know, it's just like going to the gym. Nobody really likes to go to the gym, at least in the beginning when you first wake up and you know you yep. got a 5:30 workout. People are like, ah, I don't really want to do this. But once you get there, once you take those couple steps, once you're on the drive, very few people actually turn around when they're halfway to the gym and they knew yes. that was the goal, right? Yes. When you get inside of the gym, very few people just actually stand there and say, I'm not going to do anything, right? You get to working out and before you know it, at the end of the time, it flew by and you're so much happier with yourself because you just took that one step and you didn't give up. And so that all comes with consistency and discipline, which is what I heard you say. And so I, I'm 100% in agreement with that. For somebody that's listening right now and they say, okay, that's great that he's been able to do it. He's been able to have that consistency. And I want to blaze my path just like Mo has done. But they got that little voice in their head. And that little voice says that they're not strong enough. They're not smart enough. Or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's the one thing that you would say to that person to get them to just take action? Oh, that's interesting. And on, for context, are you thinking like take action to start a business? Is that what you're Take thinking? action to start anything, whatever their thing is right now. That might be a weight loss journey. It might be, you know, taking action to start a business. What's the one thing that you would say to that person that they say, you know what, I got to do this? Yeah, and, uh, and uh, that's that's awesome. Well, the story I'll tell is the story of our book because after we had trained, we trained over 15,000 people all over the world, every continent but Antarctica at this point, <laughs> at some of the coolest companies, uh, Sotheby's, Boston Consulting Group, some of the top uh, healthcare companies in the world, Aetna, Express Groups, TransUnion, big outsourcers, folks like that. And But when I started the business, we didn't have shiny brand names like that. It, but we had trained a lot of people. And after, it's we've had Bundle Idea Group going about 15 years. So after maybe about eight or nine, I thought, oh, I should write a book. It'd be fun to write a book. But Casanova, for th gosh, so probably for three years, I kept saying, I want to write a book. But I kept not starting, to your point, because in this, I'm putting this in air quotes, people can't see it. But I kept saying, I'm too busy. 
Mm. I'm too busy. Oh, we got a client. I got to fly to Hong Kong. Oh, I've got a client meeting in New York. Oh, I've got this thing I'm doing, whatever. I'm too busy. And I didn't get started. And it was funny because remember, I, I talked, I'd hit, I've hit like 250 weeks or whatever in a row of that, yeah. that, that weekly MIT process. It was actually starting the book that got, I had sort of done that process haphazardly a little bit over time. We'd grown the business a lot, but not the exponential growth we have now. And I had, I had fallen into the trap of being reactive. And I think that's a trap a lot of people can get into. Like, I, I can't start. I've got too much going on. I can't start a business. I can't start to lose weight. I'll do it next month, whatever. But what happened was I broke it down. And I said, okay, I'm going to, that was in like September. I said, I'm going to do this weekly thing through the, the, the same thing we talked about. I'm going to do that through the end of the year. I'm going to commit to it. But I'm, I, at first I didn't do it on broader business development topics. I just did it on writing a book. I'm mm -hmm. just going to pick three things next week that it takes to write a book. At first it was researching how to write a book, <laughs> you know, right. And, in, in one week, I might have 30 minutes to dedicate. So I'd have picked three pretty fast things. Another week, I might have five hours. So I'd pick a little meatier things. But what happened was it was a heck of a slog for a couple weeks. And then after about a month, I got some momentum. And then a month after that, I got a little more momentum. And after we had a book proposal, we, we got a major agent to agree to it. And then once we had an agent, now she shopped it. And what a month, we got a major book deal. And mm. then you're under deadline and you, you've done this. So then you know you've got to have chapters two by this date and chapters right. three and four by a certain date. Then it just runs on its own. Now you can pull back to reactive mode. But man, it took months of proactive three things a week to get there. But it took, but it was really hard in the beginning. So I, that was a bit of a, a bit of a, a long story, but if I wouldn't have picked those three things a week in the beginning, we wouldn't have ended up with a book that was named top five sales and marketing books of 2018, top number one networking book of 2018, stuff like that. Mm. It just took getting started in that three steps a week BD process that's over at bdhabits.com. That's what it took to get momentum. And then once I had momentum, it just all rolled downhill. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been a phenomenal episode, and I appreciate you, my man, for coming on here. For anybody who is looking to stay connected with you, we'll put the links in the show notes for sure, but let them know where can they find you at. Yeah, I would focus people like a laser beam on that free little mini course at bdhabits.com. B for business, D for development, bdhabits.com, because what it does is it'll give folks six different video lessons on this whole system we talked about, downloadable worksheets, a free poster, the whole thing's free. We have packed, I don't know, what we'd normally charge like a thousand bucks a person or something into that free course. And that's where I'd steer people to because it's when the, when the pandemic hit, we decided to just give away more than we had ever given away before. So we went out with the entire team, almost a dozen people and created that course. And I'm just so happy we did because it's helping, it's helping people change lives, which is what I want. I want people to start the business they want to start but haven't. I want people, if they're, they've started something and they want it to go exponential, wherever they're at in their entrepreneurial journey, I want them to be successful. So we packed everything they need into that course. 
Love it. Well, again, we'll put the links in the show notes for anybody to go and check it out. Uh, but remember, Dream Nation, just as he said, you have to take action. You have to take those three steps in the beginning to be able to create the momentum, because if you don't, it will only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side.